Hello, welcome to Paradigm Shifters. This is Veronica Entwistle, and a lot of you are familiar with this show. But I want to say I have a very exciting guest today. His name is John Peterson, and he's a paradigm shifter as well, but he calls it the no kidding paradigm shift, which I love. (laughs) John Peterson, welcome to the show. And you are a futurist studying changes, why they happen, why they're accelerating. And uh, you are also the, the founder of the Arlington Institute, which perhaps you'd like to explain people uh, what goes on yeah. at the Arlington Institute. So welcome. Thank you. Uh, nice to be with you, Veronica. Um, well, I'm a futurist. And uh, they're, you know, like lawyers, they're futurists and they're futurists, I guess. Um, you seem to cover and so many facets of life. Um, in- well, that's that's the difference. You know, that most futurists kind of specialize in some area or some uh, sector, technology or politics or economics or whatever it turns out to be. And um, for reasons known only to, um, you know, somebody else somewhere, uh, I'm interested in a little bit of everything. And so... I look at the kind of writ large where the world is going and where humanity is going and uh, in general and in particular with the emergence of a new human and uh, the kind of the structure and possibilities of a new world. And there aren't, uh, I, I don't really know many other people who think in those kinds of terms and I guess so that makes makes me unique in this kind of Yeah, and I want to just interrupt uh, you just for a moment because you've had quite a history in the war experiences, Vietnam War, you know, we're of the same vintage, and a lot of people that I know went through that whole uh, experience. And then you were in the College of War. What is it called? I've written it down here. National War War College. Well, I was, yeah, I went to the National War College and the Navy War College. And lots of security studies, national security studies, right? Yeah, yeah. Worked in the White House at the National Security Council staff. And, yeah. So that's a lot different than being a futurist, is it not? Because I would say that security. Well, it is and it isn't. It is and it isn't because my interest, uh, frankly and rather explicitly, was to, uh, even though uh, most of that was in the reserves, in the naval reserves, the, some of those things. Uh, but my interest um, professionally uh, was to help to uh, change the notion of national security from just killing people and breaking things, which is all they've kind of traditionally done, to a this broader kind of perspective that took into consideration the fact that there, were, there was climate change and there was uh, social value shifts and there was ex- a technology explosion and all these things are just no kidding national security issues and so during the clinton administration um i was i was able to uh, work with the most senior kind of leadership in the military to help introduce some of these kind of ideas through different kind of projects that we did and workshops and stuff with uh, senior folks and uh but then you know when little george bush came in then they all they wanted to go could do is kill people again so uh I got out and started to think more broadly about the world and where the world was going and ended up uh, working, doing a wonderful project for the government of Singapore where we did conceived of and kind of designed, developed and 
and executed a uh, national surprise anticipation center, which was the first of its kind in the world, which was a capability that scanned the horizon looking for the early indicators and the weak signals that it point to an inbound event of some significance that otherwise would eat their lunch if they didn't. Um, <laughs> you mean like a, yeah. a, a volcano or like a, a tsunami? Well, or... it, could, it, could, it could be that, but it could be things like if uh, uh, there was a, some kind of a, a stop to uh, Singapore, you may know, is an isolated little island and they import almost everything and at the time I was there, they were inputting their electricity and their water and their food. And uh, and so any of the, if any of those things would stop or uh, if there was uh, some kind of an emergent kind of issue relative to social stability, Singapore is very interesting in that they've got uh, Muslims and Christians and Chinese and Hindus and... Uh, Real melting party. Um, Oh, it, it's, yeah, an extraordinary, and they've figured out how to make it all work. And so uh, it's the, kind of the happiest place I've ever been. Oh, really? Uh, and, yeah, and it's the most economically developed place in, the, in, in certainly Asia. I mean, the quality of life there is amazing. And I've heard that, actually. The place, is, the place isn't very big. After about a week, you've seen it all. But the, uh, it's, but, but. They are very, very sensitive to maintaining that. And so, you know, if that would start to change or if there was some external threat of some sort, the way it got started was they had SARS, if you remember SARS. I do, yeah. Uh, the SARS problem. And their uh, defense minister came to me and said, you know, John, we, we were looking at all of the other stuff and we never saw the possibility of the SARS thing and we never want to get surprised again. So can you build this capability for us? And so uh, it's those kinds of things. You know, if somebody run to cut up the telephone cable that take, connects them to the rest of the world, the, you know, it, there's just lots. It turns out there's, you know, maybe a thousand or fifteen hundred different scenarios of significance. Uh, that they they would wanted to keep an eye on, and we built a database of those things and so on. But anyway, it was. Uh, Great fun, very interesting, and um, it got me quite familiar with the underlying technology of how you do sense making because you've got to uh, somehow start to automate the processes of these technologies to sweep the web and looking for certain kind of terms and phrases and so on. But anyway, that's what I've done. Sense, sense making is that sort of partially intuitive as well, or is that getting uh, vibrational shifts that tell you something's happening? Well, and this. For you and me, it is, but for them, it isn't, uh, because it's all technological. Okay. Uh, all of sense, all of sense making, uh, certainly, uh, in any kind of terms that we understand it, uh, derives from pattern recognition. Okay. Uh, if you can't, uh, you, when you look at anything, I'm sitting here, in my rental car looking at trees and if and and it's a tree because i see a pattern that i recognize and uh there's that old uh, story about the indians uh columbus's uh, or or whoever it was their their ships coming and they had no pattern they had no way of recognizing what it was and they didn't see it 
uh, literally, uh, because it didn't make any sense to them. And so uh, all of sense-making and, and at, at its essence, the process of thinking about the future is all about trying to make sense out of incoming information and data and other kinds oh, of things. And also back that, to Magellan's ships, um, wasn't it once that somebody saw it and recognized it, then others were capable of seeing and recognizing it, isn't that? Yeah, I, yeah, obviously, yeah, sure. Uh-huh. So, and so somebody's got to be out in front. <laughs> somebody's got to be out in front, uh, kind of trying to make some sense out of some of this kind of stuff, and then everybody else can kind of jump. Or maybe an intelligence is a, a, a shared thing instead. Also, I, I heard you speak. So this is jumping from Singapore, which is a really interesting thing, and I'd like to know more. But I want to get to the bigger uh, picture where we know everything is changing. We know the vibrations have moved up. You spoke of moving through the galactic center. You spoke of some very great uh, uh, cosmic influences like sunspots and so on that were not only surprising Singapore, for for example, but they're actually shaking us all up individually and collectively, right? You want to talk a little bit about that yeah, and our political yeah. structure? You don't have to talk politics, but the political structure oh, and good. everything is coming apart that we know. And I don't know whether the uh, here. Well, we're going. Yeah, there's a new world. There's a you know, this is an end of one age and the emergence of another one. It's the big shift. That's what my friend Willis Harmon, when he was alive, wrote a book called the uh, global mind shift and there are, and, and and it's more than just your mind it is everything this is an epical extraordinary unprecedented thing that this planet is going through that's engendered by the some of the things that you mentioned the fact that we're moving into a new area of space that has a different energetic uh, kind of signature and so it doesn't provide as much uh kind of defense, uh, if you will, uh, against the uh, great amount of energy that's coming out of the center of the galaxy. Uh, the influence that hits our sun and hits the planet and so on. Uh, at the same time, we're uh, moving through the center of the galactic plane for the Milky Way. And the galactic plane is the organizing, is uh, coincident with the the organizing energy that keeps all of the stars in this, um, you know, in this plane like a platter. And so when you go through the middle of that thing, then that's the highest kind of energy. And so is it destabilizing uh, it, it, the it, orbits of stars and suns and all that? I don't No, I don't think it's a, it per se destabilizes the orbit of stars. No, I think it just changes Listen, everything's alive, okay? Let's start with that. And and so when, uh, just like you might think of it, is uh, when we go from season to season, then we, when the, when the environment, when the weather changes, we do things differently. We need different kinds of stuff. And so in the same way, when you go into a different kind of context or there's uh, more sunshine or more, rain or whatever it turns out to be from a cosmic point of view uh the the entities uh are affected differently I, I, there are changes going on in our sun for instance 
that nobody has seen for about 150 years, and there's climate change going on on every planet in the solar system. And the last time I checked, there weren't too many human beings on the other planets. And, and so what you'd have to come to the conclusion that this was not, the climate change on our planet is not being driven by humans primarily, but it's being driven by the sun. And by the way, the sun's a lot more powerful, bigger than, than the human beings on this planet. And, um, you know, at the same time, you've got the magnetosphere, uh, that uh, protects us from all this energy coming out of the sun that is collapsing uh, precipitously, exponentially collapsing, and so it's getting thinner. So more of this energy reaches us. The, there are changes on the sun, uh, you know, by order, order of magnitude kind of differences on the sun between 1900 and, and the present time. And I saw, so it's a combination of a whole bunch of things. But those are the uh, kind of things kind of that coming together. They could change the whole nature of, for example, humans or animals or trees, right? Absolutely. Well, they, they, you know, any recent reasonable kind of assessment of it all guarantees that it's going to do that and that it's inbound in the next, I don't know, five years, three years, ten years, something like that. In any case, from my point of view or from my perspective, what it looks like that we're I don't know, 20 years out from a whole, the beginning of a whole new era that uh, the Bible and all kinds of spiritual and ancient texts and channelers and on and on all say is the beginning of an era of, uh, of no war. Uh, my friend Lee Carroll, who channels an entity called Cryon that some of your uh, listeners might be familiar with, uh, says that Tryon's saying that it could be as long as 15,000 years without any war. Oh, well, that would be wonderful. Wow. Wouldn't it? But then you get, what you got to do is say, let, if, if 15, let's just say, if 15 years from now, the world does not see itself, the governments, whatever, do not see war as an option for solving uh, problems and disagreements. What in the world has to happen between now and then in order to uh, affect that amazing kind of change in perspective? Well, let me ask you this. Is this all this sun stuff, isn't that impacting? I was listening to the part about DNA or a part about DNA. Isn't that impacting our potential to be loving? I mean, it's probably a scary thing as well. Because a lot of people are scared right now. No, I don't. I don't know that it's scary. It's it's, it's either scary or loving, depending upon point your point of view. Point of view and your mm-hmm. mindset. Yeah. And uh, what uh, multiple sources suggest is that there is going the, the catalytic event that's going to kind of kick this off or solidify it or send it off in a new direction is uh, some kind of a pulse out of the sun. Hmm. Remember, the sun's intelligent, and it's uh, you know, and it gets to make these decisions about if it's the right time to do this. And uh, there's there's almost certainly other kind of cosmological positioning and astrological kinds of stuff that are in this in play here. But uh, there is, uh, I think, kind of a point a window in here where 
everything gets kind of all lined up and then there's a and i don't mean planetarily i mean uh, whatever the variables are it kind of gets lined up and then there's this energy pulse that comes out of the sun and uh there are multiple sources that suggest that uh, what it does among other things is it uh, activates uh aspects of our dna that have been dormant for um, thousands and thousands of years and uh and it and it um it engenders the uh, emergence of all kinds of capabilities, things like tele- ultimately, things like telepathy and being able to see auras and being able to manifest things and maybe not even having to eat and any any number of things that we already see different people, different places already doing. But what this seems to imply is that it becomes a general generalized uh, kind of orientation and uh, at that time uh, by the way or the process of that kind of activation if you will is uh, happen it affects everything it affects you know the dogs and the cats and the trees and the and the people and uh, in the case of the people there are um, kind of in broad terms two different groups and uh, the law of one people will, from the raw the raw books from the law of one say there are those who are oriented to service to self and uh, others who are oriented in service to others and that those two orientations essentially are a, a if you will a filter or a a gel or a, some kind of a, it affects the way it's it's really the other way around you respond to this pulse of energy in different kind of ways because of your mindset and your orientation and so those who are kind of selfishly oriented service to self uh, would find this big change rather threatening and you know, they go get their guns and try to defend themselves or whatever they do. Uh, but at the same time, the other group that's in, in, in service to others um, would, would in, in whatever way, whether it's explicit or implicit, would be uh, sensitive to and respond to this pulse of energy and would kind of rise to the occasion and surf it into this emergent new world and it becomes... Kind of the, I mean, it's a science fiction sound and stuff. I, I, I fully admit. <laughs> I like but it. They, it's, uh, but they, but they, but they rise to the They rise to become the kind of the seed population of this emergent new world that just goes off. And um, however, however that happens, whether it's multidimensionally or other. Well, kind we've of heard for a long stuff. time from people like Eckhart Tolle, who said. Uh, I think I think it was yeah. he who said that there would be two Earths where, for example, if you are thinking and fear-based and security-based, et cetera, et cetera, you would find each other. And yeah. otherwise, when you're in this other group, you would find each other and and grow that reality. Absolutely. And however it uh, kind of appears to operate from from our human point of view, the 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 fact is that 
uh, Eckhart Tolle and others all say, many others, the kind of the Bible says that you're kind of in the world, but not of the world. Well, so it's kind of like it kind of looks kind of the same, but you don't kind of relate to it in the same way. And you certainly don't relate to all of the traditional things like governments and religions and other things the same way. I mean, it's a paradigm shift. It's it's the reorganization of the essential way in which we make sense out of reality. That's what a paradigm is. And if you have a shift in that paradigm, all the, all rules, the rules change. change yeah. you, you know. That's absolutely yeah. fascinating. Yeah. Hey, I, I wanted you to give people just that a little thumbnail about how uh, the change factions, like something you used to take a million years, then 500,000, et cetera, et cetera. Can you tell them briefly about that colla- collapse yeah, in that space? Sure. I mean, if you, Those if are you paradigms, aren't they? History yeah. And try, mm-hmm. yeah, they are. Yeah, mm-hmm. very much so. If you go back through history and look at the major kind, uh, the the uh, configuration, if you will, or the uh, of the major kind of shifts that happen. And by the way, you can take, you can do this in, uh, I've got one slide uh, that uh, has, I don't know, 16 different uh, domains. So it's uh, chemical stuff or it's, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, you pick the domain of development from the beginning of time as human beings understand it, and they all go through this same kind of process. And early on, it was long billions of years of time where it was uh, uh, was the same. In the, in the evolutionary biologists, uh, for instance, say that it starts with uh, single cellular life. And that was around for, I don't know, they say three and a half or something like that, billion years. And then there was some kind of a shift of one sort or another, and it became multiple cellular life. And the multiple cellular life then went on for one-tenth of the time that the single cellular life one was tenth, around. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, and for, and, yeah, so in rough terms, it'd be, uh, you know, 300 million years or something like that. And our 500 million years and then uh, then it went from uh, that to the early uh, vertebrates uh, and uh, and they then showed up uh, and lived for one or predominated uh, on the planet for uh, uh, one tenth of the previous time and you go through all of this and you go to vertebrates and early humans and kind of hunter-gatherer kind of stuff going to active agriculture and then moving to cities and towns. And uh, then, uh, you know, ultimately you end up with Gutenberg's movable type about 500 years ago. And in each case, uh, generally, what you get is uh, this acceleration. It's kind of like a big vortex and it's getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And, a, and each succeeding era is more complex than the previous one by a factor of something like somewhere between seven or eight or nine or ten, ten times. And so you get a more complex uh, era and the, uh, the transition time gets shorter and the length of the era gets shorter. And so what you've got is all of these things getting not only the, an explosion of information, if you will, 
But the movement toward that uh, explosion is getting faster and faster. It's an exponential curve. Now, the interesting thing and the important thing about that relative to this conversation uh, is that uh, you cannot make sense out of the succeeding era from the perspective of the preceding era. I think we need era. to hear that. Mm -hmm. So if you... So, so um, if you're a single cellular organism and you have this epiphanal dream in the middle of the night and you wake up saying, oh, there is going to be this big giant ship and it's coming, it's coming. And you will run around and talk to all of your other single cellular friends and say, it's coming, it's coming. What do you think it's going to be? Not a one of them is going to say oh, it's going to be multicellular life because everywhere they look, there is only single cellular life. And so there is no precedent for what is, what is about. Yeah, back to, to Magellan's up. ship. Hey? And you can walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and you can walk through this everywhere. I mean, if you do uh, a movable type, I mean, the Catholic Church beforehand, but, you know, in the, in the 1400s, they they owned it all, and they was going all over the place, and they didn't see uh, movable type coming up, but just you know, just ate them up in northern Europe, and and stopped everything that they were doing all over the place, and produced all kinds of problems that that turned into what we've got now, because it changed the way human beings uh, communicated ideas and moved ideas around, and the whole metabolism of the whole thing changed. Well. They wouldn't have had any way of knowing that beforehand. And so we're in a similar kind of position right now where we're looking up this kind of mountainside going into some place that is just, if history is any precedent at all, which of course I think it is, is that uh, this is going to be really amazing and really weird because... Uh, you know, guys like like Ray Kurzweil, who's a, perhaps the best known futurist guy running around right now, uh, who, who specializes only in technology. He says there's a thousand times more uh, technological change in the, this century than the last century. A thousand times uh, more? Oh, the, my gosh. Yeah. In the last century, I mean... You started with the, the first cars and you started with airplanes and you worked all your way up to going to the moon, uh, supposedly, and with the, and all kinds of uh, space stuff and Internet and all that. And then you multiply that a thousand times and it's Incredible. just crazy. You can't even begin to get your hands But, you know, I've that. had this What's theory that, that I play with, which is the Internet is training wheels for our intuition on a massive level. Do you think that could be true? Because uh, when you say that thousand times, I immediately get a flash on the possibility that we move yeah, out of our great. body and have huge expanse of knowing and capacities that might not yeah. be on the planet. Now, is that too far out there? Well, that, no, no, no. That's my uh, talk that I gave a couple of weeks ago to the annual convention of the Unity oh, Church. Uh, the uh, the uh, the. the, the, the and, and you and you're spot on. What what 
what's happening here is that there are so many moving parts and there's so many things going on that there's no way that you can logically make sense of it. If you're locked into your left brain and you're trying to build lists and say pros and cons and, and all security that kind of stuff and security, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, right. It, 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 first of all, you are making those judgments based upon the existing, the uh, by definition, old uh, set of rules and things that are not going to work in the new space. But more than that, you just can't, you don't know everything. <laughs> I mean, it's just so much stuff going on that there's no way in the world. Now, this is not an argument for ignorance and lack of education and all that stuff, uh, because I think that you need to seed, uh, I think you need to be informed and I need you to, to seed your mind with things because you start to see relationships and patterns between stuff like that. But as a principal mode of of decision making going forward uh, of a logical linear kind of th- thinking is is not a- not adequate not even close to mm-hmm. being adequate and so what there is is essentially an, a, a balancing right uh, of the left brain and the right brain of the feminine and the masculine the feeling the intuition and what you're trying what what has to happen as you uh, approach each one of these decision-making, these decision points in this world going forward, uh, what you have to do is be able to access uh, what it is to make an intelligent decision or, or an effective decision without having to, to essentially think about it. And that is intuition. And that is uh, developing this uh, and I, and what I mean is training and when I say developing and developing and refining the uh, capability to hear that little voice that's always there whenever there was anything you need to do that says turn left or turn right or give that guy a buck or whatever it turns out to be uh, and I can tell you at least in my case uh, I can tell the difference between that and just my mind running around mm-hmm. saying things, and I and I just do it. I don't care, you know. I just do it. Uh, so what you're saying is, when we're worried know, about it, all the changes and the lack of security and the old way of thinking and all that, you got to learn to let let go yeah, into you, it. Is that right? Absolutely, because you cannot. You don't know what's going to happen. I mean. Any ideas that you think about what's going to happen in the future, again, are only only make sense in terms of what you've brought into the room, <laughs> yeah. right? Your experiences and your other mm. kind of stuff. And if the future is not anything like what you brought into the room, then all of the fear and all of the insecurity and all the stuff that that uh, plays around in common decision making is is is, is noise. It's you know, it's it's uh, it's it's counterproductive, and and if you're going to live in this Eckhart Tolle kind of space of the now, then you cannot worry about the future because worrying about the future generates fear, right? Oh, yeah, oh, and no. and it shuts you down gotta, your you intuition get... quite often, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly, and so you, it's it's really Star Wars like, you know, trust the Force, mm-hmm. Luke. It's kind of like, you know, you just got to say, hey, 
this is going to be all right. And it is intelligent and it is loving and it is benign and it's a whole lot smarter than I am. And just sit there and, and go with it, go for, with it. And don't worry about it. I mean, there's nothing you can do about mm-hmm. it anyway. I mean, worry is the stupidest thing in the world. It just uh, accomplishes nothing. And, and by the way, it, 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 it's a big magnet that then starts to bring all of the stuff you're worried about into your life because, uh, you know, you attract all that. Well, let me throw something at you. I think what you're saying and what I really actually get excited about is that the universes are making big changes and all of that will fuel our ability to make is fueling our ability to make the changes required to move into these new times. Is that right? Well, uh, of course, there's got to be internal consistency. There has to be some compatibility with uh, the whole system. Otherwise, then it's really out of whack. And so what we're doing is essentially in the same way that the earth and the sun, for that matter, and everything is working its way and trying to work toward uh, higher levels of, of frequency and capability or whatever it is for the sun. I have no idea. But there's this universal kind of push for um, evolution, if you will. Evolution is kind of a human kind of thing. And so it, I don't kind of like the word in this context, but it's uh, uh, everybody's trying to, you know, be better and get uh, and and where there are mismatches. I mean, this is the problem that we've got with uh, a lot of weather problems and other kind of things on this planet, because there is a. Uh, we are closely, human beings are closely coupled with the energies of the planet, with uh, Gaia and so on. And when when we all are thinking about uh, killing people and having wars and crazy stuff like that, well, it, uh, there's any number of kind of indicators that suggest that that all uh, uh, translates. It, 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 it's inductive, you know. You and I were just at this science the science conference and uh, where all these electrical engineers and everything. And so, and, and, and the concept here is that there's induction, that there is, uh, that there is energy, there are signals, there is information that is induced from uh, one side to the other uh, of two elements that are uh, kind of closely related to each other physically. And what that means is that, you know, the planet talks to us and we talk to the planet. And when we and when we get bunches of people who are all trying to kill each other and stuff, then it really screws with the underlying uh, 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 stability and emergence and other kind of things of the planet. And the pure, so gu- the pure kindness make, that is there, too, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and so you can make the case that, uh, and it's compatible with some of the projections in terms of what the effect from the Earth, from the sun changes in the solar and the cosmic rays and such. But you can make the case that if we keep doing these wars and kind of things, it's going to turn into uh, more, I don't know, volcanoes and earthquakes and other kind of earth changes. Now, it's not only us because. Uh, the the Earth is reconfiguring herself uh, uh, for for higher levels of uh, kind of emergence uh, at, at the same time that we are, but uh, 
if you've got a time of a long period of peace and there's not any kind of war, what's almost certainly a companion to that is you're not going to have wild and crazy weather problems, that it's going to be stable and uh, for long periods of time because you don't have all of the stressful negative energy that humans would develop uh, around all of the stupid, crazy things that they do. So you're thinking we have to go through a period of cold. Is that right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Uh, first of all, it, uh, what Cryon and any number of other sources say is it gets worse before mm -hmm. it gets better. And how long it gets worse and how bad it gets, I don't know. But, uh, it's, you know, it's not. It's probably not more than, you know, 10, 5 years, 10 years. But if, if, like if we influence, and, and if our way, war stuff influences weather patterns, surely peace will as well. Yeah, that's my point, exactly. Yeah. And, but the... Uh, but there's a cleansing, there's a transition, you know, you don't get changed without change. And so the, the thing that's got to change and what's happening here is the old world is imploding. Uh, uh, Donald Trump is the, the disruptor, no matter what you think about him and uh, as a person. And uh, what he is doing is blowing up the system from the inside out. And that allows it to reconfigure itself. Uh, I mean, can you think of a nice person that would do what he does? I mean, we'd all like to have a nice, a nice president in there. But God, then you'd get more of this kind of more of the same. Because, by the way, the system is very impacted and very, very sophisticated. And, you know, and they're not going to change unless somebody kind of sledgehammers their way into the middle of it. And that's and that's uh, what I think is happening. And so. But it's breaking it apart so that you can uh, that makes space for the emergence of this new world. And so it's going to be really cool. I think I think it is, too. I think it's pretty exciting. Let's go back into another. This is a change of subject from the whole political structure. But you've helped me with that. I think a lot of us can panic less. Right. <laughs> but one of the uh, talks that you were giving was talking about the impact that we can have on our own DNA. And I've been thinking lately that healing seems to happen more easily amongst people using the mind and so on. It happens more quickly. I think there's a big tie sure. in here. So what do you see for humans as we go through this transition? Well, I, I ran a speaker series in my little town in West Virginia. We're about 100 miles from Washington, D.C. in the, the mountains of West Virginia called Berkeley Springs. And so every month I bring a different speaker of, of note from somewhere to, uh, and we draw people from all over the uh, the East Coast. It's called Transition Talks, and uh, you can find information on on the web. Uh, our next our next speaker is uh, Bruce Lipton. Oh, good. And uh, Bruce, uh, Doctor Bruce Lipton, is the father of epigenetics. Uh, epigenetics is this notion that your your mind and your and your uh, emotions. Uh, uh, directly change and affect uh, your DNA and your cellular behavior and all other kind of things, and your therefore your health. Uh, uh, to say nothing about uh, kind of the larger effect in, in your environment and so on, and uh, and so there there is a huge a huge. Uh, uh, I, I mean, Joe Dispenza, all these guys change their mind, change mm -hmm. their world. 
uh, two months ago, there was a, a, a scientific report that came out that was in uh, New Sciences or Scientists or something like that. And what you've got is a bunch of, uh, I don't know what you'd call them, cosmologists, whatever they are, uh, who are now coming to the conclusion that uh, this uh, universe doesn't exist unless we think. <laughs> That's it. wonderful. That is to say, yeah, yeah. Unless, unless only when we think about it, when we open our eyes, whatever, we manifest. It's a kind of amazing that that's coming out of the middle of mainline science. But that's the the whole idea that you, you're, if you can change your mind, because all it is is mind, Ernest Holmes, any number mm-hmm. of folks, will, you know, that's such, we are all one and all that business. Uh, it's all mind. It's a uh, hermetic Hermes, Trismegistus. It's, 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 you know, it's all mind. Everything is just mind. And so if you can get to the point where you change your mind, you change your outlook, you change, your, you know, all, all, all that just runs downstream and just affects and shapes everything. And so in theory, uh, and, and there are people who've, uh, who are accomplished at this, but I think that this is kind of the essence of one of the major kind of emerging characteristics that are going to come out of this. In a human, in theory, we can we can make it any way we want it. <laughs> Let's you know? do it. There, there's a guy. There's a guy named Robert Anton Wilson who uh, was an amazing brain young guy who, among <laughs> among other things, at the age of about 22, was writing the playboy advisor for playboy magazine back in the 60s when uh, some of us were uh, around and uh, robert anton wilson uh did something that was really amazing he took uh, if if i remember right 10 years or something like that he said he he spent 30 years trying to absolutely understand from any way possible how this reality worked. And so he went out and did drugs and did that stuff. And maybe it was only five years. I don't remember. But uh, and then uh, and then he did the occult kind of stuff and ran around with Alistair Crowley <laughs> and stuff and and that space. And then there was another one. And maybe it was the kind of new agey kind of things. I forget what. But he just and, and, and when you read about this, it's just mind blowing. But he gets to the end. And he says, kind of, what's the bottom line? You can make reality anything you want it to be. And if if that, you know, he comes to that conclusion and any number of other people and, you know, the Bible and whatever, uh, then what you're into is this amazing kind of transition into a space where where it it all (laughs) it all comes from goes from the outside to the mm-hmm. inside right is that right now you always you look out here and i'm looking at these trees and they seem to be on the other side of the block and it's all kind of outside and if you ever and i'm not there yet i can assure you but if you ever get to the place where it just becomes very real to you that you're just making all of this stuff <laughs> up then man tell me tell me <laughs> 
Tell me where you can go with that. I mean, that could be really awesome. Wow, I love that. <laughs> Are your transition talks up online? Although I'd like to hear you talk as well. You're, they're up online yeah. as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we do. Uh, you can go to transitiontalks.org. And uh, I do a little, uh, there are uh, the the, uh, the whole lineup. Uh, we've got Eben Alexander who did, uh, you know. B- He's b- his b- sur- surgeon. Proof yeah. of Heaven. Yeah, right. The neurosurgeon. He'll be there in November and then, uh, uh, or October. And Linda Moulton Howe will be with us in this November and, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'll give a talk in December or something. I don't know. Uh, but it, it goes on. Uh, and uh, but the uh, but all these yeah. talks are really so, helpful because people are reaching and having to open our minds to a much more what fluid, flexible, dynamic relationship with it all. Right? Uh, absolutely. You're just breaking down the old kind of images and the old structures necessarily to allow allow for the emergence of a new of a new kind of world and a new world that is derived from the way you right. think right <laughs> so if you change if you, if you change the way you think then you know, the whole world is going to change in front of you i mean it's just so interesting like kind of wild, wild and crazy, crazy. Uh, from arcturian chronicles i've i've grabbed a line i think ended with it which has changed the energy changed the reality that's also really good yeah i yeah. love that but yeah. but this yeah. has been such a wonderful uh experience for me to hear your perspectives and share some of your wisdom or how about open to some of your wisdom which is the opening thing i think we need to be doing right sure. and i thank sure. you and you want to tell anybody about the arlington institute before we have to say goodbye well, what we're in, we're in the business of trying to facilitate this transition to a new world. Okay. Uh, in very explicit and kind of, tan- you know, I'm an engineer, so I use it. I want to build things. I want to do stuff, and I've got nothing against meditation and all of those kinds of things. You know, some of my best friends are <laughs> in the leadership of all of that. But there, but but there's a there's a new world that needs to get built here uh and uh and it's going to operate on different principles and different energy and different whatever everything and uh, and so we're in the business of trying to facilitate that in any in any way about does that mean like uh homes uh, and, and uh, buildings and systems of uh, commerce or well as a, as a matter of fact i'm uh in the middle of putting together and building a uh a vertical farm. I, I, we've suggested. I think it's going to mm-hmm. get cold. It's going to get cold for a long period of time, and there is a really kind of uh, clear uh, cause, uh, co- uh, cosmic kind of, or solar and other kind of indications that say it's going to get going to get cold, and that's going to influence uh, food mm-hmm. supply. Um, because of the way we 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 grow mm-hmm. food right now, and so one of the things I'm trying to do is uh, build a vertical farm, an indoor farm uh, that uh, has glazing. It has glass over the the roof of it, so that uh, you could. We're going to do this into the side of a south facing hill, uh, and surround it with with earth, 
so that you get uh, the ambient temperature of the earth at 55 degrees. And so you've got, no matter how cold it is on the outside, you got 55 degree uh, temperature kind of from the sides. And then uh, you can get natural light coming in through the top and you augment that with some LEDs and so on. And uh, what you can do in, uh, in, in this particular case is with a footprint of 2,000 feet, that's really just 2,000 feet, square feet, you can, um, you can grow enough food for uh, a whole, our whole county of uh, 17,000 people. Uh, it, it's, it's amazingly, it's a minimum of 35 times more efficient than uh, conventional agriculture and in some cases it's hundreds of times wow more and, it, uh, and it's and it's more efficient in both in terms of production and by and the economics are pretty interesting hmm. too but uh but if you can do that then you get food security uh and uh and so that's what i want to do in the short term because what it looks like uh we didn't talk uh we haven't talked about this too much but it looks like that uh, and it's already it's already started. It's it started about ten years ago. That the uh, the climate is is starting to shift, and it's and you're getting places that are colder than anybody's ever mm-hmm. seen before, uh, as well as hotter than any place. And what you're getting is the initial oscillations before you get a state change. If you have a complex system and uh, a dynamic system, and it is uh, and it's changing from one state to another. It doesn't just go from cold to hot. What happens is that you start to get this uh, oscillation in the system uh, to where it gets hot. You know, some places are hot, some places are cold. Some places are hotter, some places are colder. Some places are really hot and really cold. And then, boom, and then you get a rapid kind of shift in state. That's hmm. classic. That's how ice. That's how water changes, goes to ice, mm. by the way, uh, converts to ice. And, uh, and so what we're seeing right now are these, I mean, I'm on my way to L.A. To, uh, I'm on my, sitting out, on my way to the airport right now. I was, Orange, County, Orange County had 110 degrees uh, uh, temperature yesterday or so. So my friend who talked to his wife said, I mean, that is, you, you get these isolated places where it's really hot, but let me tell you something. In uh, Siberia last winter, uh, they, they, there was a place, uh, and they measured the temperature, was one degree above the coldest it has ever been measured on the planet wow. before. And, 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 and there was, in February of uh, this year, on two different occasions, there was 12 inches of snow in the Sahara oh Desert uh, in Libya. In, yeah, and uh, there's uh, the last uh, summer, the ice didn't melt in places in Scotland in the summertime, and you had I you had snow and and uh, in lower levels and places in Hawaii where you've never seen it before, and 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 the press is not talking about that because they're all on this thing about anthropogenic global warming and uh but i'm telling you there is if you follow it and you and and you're objective and honest about this thing you can see that there's a very significant well so what about antarctica and arctic i mean that melting is pretty scary too isn't it well but it's not melting all over the place there are 
what they found is. And so I, you're saying do some research. <laughs> they don't tell you. They don't tell you right. about this. They found under. They found volcanoes underneath the ice, which is melting oh, the wow. ice, and it's not coming. Yeah, and 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 they they found now the the guys that study this thing have have. They're at the place where they think that there are two million underwater submarine volcanoes uh, under the oceans at different kind of places, and uh, and and when you when when these guys talk about the ice melting in Arctic, well, there's a whole string of volcanoes underneath the ocean up there that, and it's isolated stuff, and it's the same thing. In places down in the Antarctic, there are just strings of volcanoes that are under the water that they found, and they are affecting the the floating, the sea ice, and other kinds of stuff. Anyway, it's not as simple as well. I'm really grateful you said that because we've got some work to do. We've got things to look at. We've got some underwear, long underwear to buy. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, John Peterson. I hate to say goodbye, but I am excited for the work you're doing, and you've also prompted a lot of us to be thinking things through a little differently and letting our mind uh, move with the wisdom coming through, I think. Thank you so much for your time. Arlington Institute, do they want to find you there, or do you want to give them at least one other website that might be nice? Arlingtoninstitute.org. Or uh, I have a newsletter, a free newsletter, which I publish twice a month, called Future Edition. Uh, that's called Future, it's a single E in the middle, F-U-T-U-R-E-D-I-T-I-O-N, futureedition.org. And if they could, you can go there and sign up, and if you like this kind of stuff, we spread it out all over the web uh, uh, with emails uh, twice a month and we'd love, love to to do that for yeah. your readers. A lot of our uh, podcast listeners are really active uh, people in the world so yeah, that's wonderful. I thank well, you so much for your time. I know you've been busy and you were certainly an enticing and inspiring speaker at uh, the Energy Conference at which we met. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you you for all your. Been fun to to be with you. And you. Thanks very much. Bye.